I don't think they're Dutch, but they are foreign. They're French, I believe. French. Okay. How could I? Jeez, I'm just doing bad here. Uh, <laughs> forgive me my mistake. Um, I, well, I, I see because Chad, we're in the United States, and all those people over there, they just sort of blend <laughs> together. They're nobodies. Uh, whatever you say, TJ, I'm not attaching myself to that statement. <laughs> <laughs> As well, you shouldn't. I'm not either. <laughs> Welcome to episode 84 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Tuesday, April 1st, 2014. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today is the divergent mind of Chad Hopkins. How are you, Chad? Hello. I'm all right. You know, I just thought we were just talking about this. Uh, You should have introduced me as Joe. Joe? And then, surprise, April Fool's... Yeah, that would have been, I mean, that would not have been a great April Fool's joke, though, would it? I mean, you get people all worked up and then get them all disappointed. And I'm I kidding. suppose so. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, chat. I'm giving you my own version of April Fool's. Uh, <laughs> uh, how are you, TJ? I'm doing well. I mean, I've played a couple of April Fool's pranks. Uh, let's see. I had a couple on Facebook. Um there was the, uh, the, I think my favorite one was the Sasquatch decoy. Uh, it, it's a, uh, Montana decoy.com is a website that uh, I've not worked on, but it is, um, a website that my company, uh, manages and maintains. And, uh, they, they posted the Sasquatch decoy coming soon. Uh, so <laughs> I, I thought that was quite hilarious. That was one of my favorites today. Um, I did post that Michael Bay's Transformers franchise is one of the best thing that's ever happened to modern filmmaking. You know, you you know how serious I am about that. Oh, of course. Uh, I was able to smell that from <laughs> 20 tweets away. <laughs> exactly. So how's your <laughs> April Fool's Day been? Anybody get anything over on you? Uh, no, I'm, I'm much too clever for that. <laughs> my coworker, um, speaking of that Sasquatch uh, Montana decoy, uh, my, my coworker, uh, is actually the one that brought it to my attention because he's sitting there and he goes, what in the world? is? This? Have you seen this, TJ? I've, this is weird. I, I don't understand. This is the weirdest thing. They've got the Sasquatch decoy. I said, okay, all right, look. Click on your menu bar up there where the date is, you know, or up there where the time is. Click on that. <laughs> all right, now tell me what date it is. He goes, well, it's April 1st. Oh. <laughs> so it took him a minute to to catch on to that. Okay, there was, uh, I should admit, there's one that sort of got me, I guess, um, thinkgeek.com, which sells a lot of cool techie, geeky products um, based on different movie franchises, TV shows, stuff like that. They posted uh, an item on their website today that's a flux capacitor car charger. Nice. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> I mean, it, it plugs into your car charger port, and then it's got two USB ports on the side, and it flashes, and it looks like a flux capacitor. And it's pretty awesome. I'm about to post it into uh, the chat for you, or I'll post it just right here. Um, but, uh, you know, for a split second, maybe I thought it was real, and then I realized it wasn't. And now I just wish it was. So, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want it to be real, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's see if that's the same thing that I found. It's like, yeah, okay. That'll be in the show notes at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 84. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Looks. Let's see. Yeah. Looks like a flux capacitor from Back to the Future series. Two USB charging ports, each of which provide 2.1 amps. Uh, a Think Geek creation and exclusive. Read more. 
Great Scott, Marty has traveled back in time and taken the flux capacitor with him. We're not exactly sure where, so Doc Brown has authorized us to make these small flux capacitors to uh, to use. This is terrible writing. So, <laughs> so we can crowd search time for Marty. Okay, that's just really strange phrasing. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. I, I do want it to be real. Why wouldn't this be a real thing? I don't know. Maybe as, as popular as it's been uh, today and as many people have been upset about it not being real. Maybe <laughs> maybe they'll consider uh, consider the fans and yes. get a make it a reality. Yes, they need to do that. They. Really I mean, need- I don't I don't need this. My car, my phone plugs directly into my car, and so I have no rhyme or reason to own this. But uh, <laughs> uh, reasons, reasons because of reasons, chat. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, my my phone plugs directly into my car as well via a third yeah. party aftermarket stereo, but there is a USB port on it and it plugs right in and it charges and everything. So I have no reason to need this either, except for geek. Uh, you know, so I definitely yeah. want it. It needs to be a real thing. Somebody, somebody, make that happen. Let's go. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, should we dive into the official show outline, Chad? We should. We we prepared. It, it is official. We we prepared this thing for the people that they'll they'll want us to kind of do that. I think and stick with the program. So let's let's do that. I have something special prepared for us today, Chad. I talked about this last week. I didn't have time to put anything together, and there were several awesome trailers that I wanted to talk about. As you can see, there's just one or two in 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 here. Yeah, just a couple. I don't know if we're going to get to them all. <laughs> we'll we'll try. We'll, we'll we'll at least say something about each of these these films. In a In a world. So first up is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. As long as I can remember, I just wanted to do the right thing. I'm not quite sure what that is anymore. The world is a vulnerable place, but we're the best qualified to defend it. This Friday, believe. All right, Cap, I'm in. In heroes. If it was up to me to save your life, would you trust me to do it? All right, so uh, you didn't watch the other stuff for Captain America. That was the only one that you watched, right? That one that I just played. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think it's definitely... I, I'm Okay, so I'm really excited, like you are, about Captain America the Winter Soldier, even though I've heard a couple of things that make me worry about it. Mostly I've heard positive things about it. What, what, I mean, I... I've seen I've seen so many people say that this is the uh, Marvel Studios best film yet. So, which is incredibly hard to believe, given that Avengers is such a good film. Yes, I agree, but um, it makes me hopeful. And you know, uh, I just downloaded the soundtrack today. I haven't listened to it yet, so I'm excited to dive into that a little bit and go see the movie this week. So, you like to listen to the soundtracks before you go see the movie, don't you? I do. I sort of like to be a little bit more familiar with the music before I see the film. I've done that a couple of times and I feel like it's taken away from my film experience somehow. Like, like because I've disconnected the music from what's going on, then it feels weird when it's underscoring the action. So I've kind of steered, steered clear from doing that. But so that's, an, I don't know. That's kind of where I've landed on that. Yeah. I mean, that's understandable. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about Captain America, the winter soldier from all accounts of anybody who's seen the film, you know, or anybody who knows anything about the film, whether it's somebody I know, or I, I, there's like one person I know, you know, kind of a little bit that, that gets early access to stuff. And, and he says it's an incredibly great film. Um, right. so although he tends to like more things, I think than I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he, uh, 
he did say it's an incredibly good film. These these teasers have have done nothing but excite me. I've not seen anything that has worried me in the sense of being worried for the movie. I'm worried. I'm worried for a couple of characters, Chad. Um, yeah. But uh, that's that's kind of par for the course. I, I think, especially with Joss Whedon behind the scenes, this is what he likes to do: is is uh, kind of squeeze a little bit and and make you make you hurt. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, and anybody who's seen, I, I won't get too spoiler, but anybody who's seen some of the trailers that I'm talking about, I don't know if you have or not, Chad. Uh, they'll know which character I'm referring to specifically that that may may not be making it into future Marvel movies. But but we have thought that before about characters in the Marvel universe. Right. I think I know which character you're talking about. It's been a while since I've seen like a, a big trailer, but uh, um, yeah, I think I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Who you're talking about? Yeah. So there are three trailers in the show notes. Uh, well, one trailer and uh, and a featurette and a clip. Um, that you'll want to check out. Those will be in the show notes. So check those out. And uh, that that happens this weekend. And we're going to be talking about the film next uh, uh, Monday, actually. We've moved Movie Byte Podcast to Monday. So it'll be releasing on Tuesday morning. Uh, we'll have Fizz on to talk about it as well. So that, that ought to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So let's see what else we have here. X-Men Days of Future Past. Let me play uh, just a clip from that. So many battles waged over the years. And yet... None of them like this. Are we destined to destroy each other? Or can we change who we are and unite? Is the future truly set? X-Men Days of Future Past So I love the look of everything that's coming about this film. I'm I mean, I mean, I'm already predisposed to like anything coming out about this film because it's Brian Singer back at the helm, which I've longed right. for for so long um, with X-Men. But uh, the, the, especially just that voiceover with Patrick Stewart uh, and, and just the direction that this movie's going, uh, it's, it feels like it's going to be very epic. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. Um, and as you mentioned in your article for this trailer, uh, you talk about time travel and how it hasn't been explored in the X-Men universe on film so far at least. And uh, right. uh, that's something that I'm really particularly looking forward to for obvious reasons, but um, you're kind of a time travel geek. I am. <laughs> and there's a couple of sort of pseudo time travel films in this list that we're looking at, but um, um, yeah, I mean, it looks really cool. I, I still have a little bit of catching up to do as far as X-Men films go, but I do, uh, no. I have seen, I have seen the first one. Now. Oh, good, good, good. I, I, I own the second one. I haven't gotten around to watching it yet, but I'm excited because I know it's supposed to be better. Um, did you like the first one? I did. It didn't blow me away, but I thought it was enjoyable. And I know that, uh, the second one is supposed to be better. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I like the first one a lot. The second one is certainly better. Yeah. Uh, And so, I mean, uh, when I, whenever I do find the time to sit down and watch it, certainly before I see days of future past, um, I'm really looking forward to it. Not looking forward so much to X three, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll suffer through it. And, um, you know, first class has gotten decent reviews too, and people seem to like it well enough at least. So I'm looking forward to that. And then all of that leading up to days of future paths, which I'm definitely very excited for. Yeah. Just prepare yourself that, that there is no film in the X-Men universe thus far better than X2, in my opinion. Now, right. I think this film may be, we just haven't, it's not out yet, so we don't know. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll bet you never thought you would see Darth Maul play a toad. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so I'm I'm really super excited for this. Um, definitely some interesting stuff going on with the time travel. Um, and it looks like the idea is that Professor Xavier is able to send Logan uh, back in time. That would be um, the Wolverine, for those of you who don't know who, what his real name is. Uh, so send Logan back in time into his younger body. Oh, and, and I don't know if like there's a connection that's being maintained or whether he's just sent back there. So it, all that stuff as a geek is very interesting to me. I know most people are like, I don't care about that sort of thing, but I do. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see exactly what they're doing. It, so it's not time travel in the I'm going to make a few laps around the earth or, you know, go the speed of light around the sun or or actually physically be sent back in time by a time machine. I don't think it's that kind of time travel. Right. It seems to be more of a. Uh, consciousness uh, uh yeah it's your consciousness time traveling it's um his later consciousness being uh, or possessing his older consciousness it's a, that sort of link like a, a psychic connection almost yeah yep speaking of time travel have you seen a movie called frequency um who's in that is that dennis quaid Mm, maybe it's been it's actually i was just remember it's been a while since i've seen it uh here we go it was a, made in the year 2000 uh it is dennis, dennis quaid. quaid uh jim yes. caviezel um i don't recognize anybody else uh it has been several years since i've seen it um, yeah same here i mean i i know i have seen it i don't have a lot of m- memory yeah. on it or what i thought about it or anything like that yeah. but i don't think i disliked it or i'd remember that for sure I really like it. This is some of it a sidetrack. It's just a time travel film, uh, but it's it's got one of the most unique takes on time travel I've ever seen. Completely inconsistent and, and not the way I would expect time travel to actually work. <laughs> but uh-huh. but um, yeah, very very cool film. So uh, you know, just just because we're talking about it, I'll grab that link and uh, I will also put that in the show notes. Okay. All right, Chad. Uh, let's talk about transcendence. Good evening, Donald Buchanan. It knows me. Of course it's us. DMV record, social media. An artificial intelligence is like any intelligence. It'll start to grow, to evolve. Imagine the machine with a full range of human emotion. Its intelligence will be greater than every person born. So I think it's an unwritten rule, Chad, that if Morgan Freeman is going to be in a film, he must narrate the trailer. I think that's that pretty much sums it up. It seems accurate at least. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I I actually have a lot of interest in this film for a number of reasons. One is it just looks plain cool. Uh, It's going to be very dark and gritty, I think, uh, or very futuristic. Gritty may not be the right word, but futuristically dark, very sci-fi dark. Um, Uh And it is the first directorial debut of Wally Feister, who was the cinematographer under Christopher Nolan for the Dark Knight trilogy. Right. Which is very interesting to me. Uh, I, I, maybe I'm not paying enough attention to who does what sometimes, but I don't think I know of any other cinematographers, high-profile cinematographers, who have turned director. You hear plenty of uh-huh. actors turning director, but not necessarily cinematographers. Do you know of I can't think of any. I can't think of any off the top of my head either. It should be an interesting perspective. I mean, because he did great cinema, cinema, uh, cinema graphic. Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh, he did great cinematography. Cinematography. That I'll just stick with that word. He did great cinematography in uh, 
in, in the Dark Knight trilogy, um, just he came up with, you know, if you think back, especially to some of the shots in Batman Begins and even the Dark Knight, uh, I mean, just some really great work there. So that it'll definitely be interesting to have somebody who's been behind the camera in that capacity now kind of directing it and knowing what he wants from the camera as well as directing the action and, and stuff like that. I think that'll be very fascinating. Yeah. You know, I, I had only seen like word of this film before last night uh, when I saw this trailer attached to Divergent and yeah, it, it was, it, I forgot it about was that. very, very cool. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Um, it looks like a, a sort of atypical role for Johnny Depp. I mean, it, there is that quirkiness to it, but it's not like Jack Sparrow quirky. It's just a, a, a different twist on uh, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp character. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see a lot of what we've seen in other Johnny Depp roles. No, uh, no, no, necessarily. Although it is at the same time, it is still Johnny Depp. I mean, you can tell it's Johnny Depp. So right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm a big sci-fi fan, and uh, yeah, just I think it's going to be a very interesting take on what's what's going. on. I didn't play enough of the trailer for our audience to, uh, and you guys should go watch it. Don't don't rely on just the sound from this podcast, but. Um, it, it's definitely going to a very interesting place in terms of artificial intelligence. I, I personally don't believe that we can ever come to the place where there's a such thing as an artificial intelligence that has the capacity of humans. And I think, of course, there's a, a quality of a soul that just can't be a part of a machine. Um, but, but that said, I, I always enjoy these sorts of stories, though. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. All right. We got to keep this moving right along. Uh, so this is a Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Let's take a yeah. listen. Do you know the scary thing about them? They don't need power. Lights. Heat. Nothing. That's the advantage. That's what makes them stronger. All right, so that's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, a teaser trailer, a TV spot for that. Um, I I have to admit, uh, so here here's my story, Chad. I uh-huh. watched um, the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes, and I wanted nothing more to do with that franchise ever for <laughs> any reason ever again. Thank you very much. Go away. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm, I, I, I was at. And so, therefore, I never watched the James Franco uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, Which is a shame. Yeah, I think it sounds like it's something I should have done. Yeah, I mean, I love the first uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I haven't seen the Mark Wahlberg one. um, Don't bother. Which I guess, yeah, I mean, um, not that Tim Burton's a bad director, but I think he directed that one, isn't he? Didn't he? I will look that up while you keep talking. Um, But uh, the first film was very, very good. And, you know, something you don't mention in your article here is that Andy Serkis plays the main ape. Um, That's true. Yeah, I mean, and he's fantastic because yeah, okay. it's a it's a very human role for an ape. That was Tim Burton. So okay, that's it what starred, I thought. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, Tim Roth, and Helena Bonham Carter. Go figure. Yeah, you would expect with all those people involved. Uh, I, don't, I actually don't know much about Tim Roth, but with Mark Wahlberg, I mean, because I like Mark Wahlberg in, in various things, and, and Helena Bonham Carter certainly seems like a talented actress. Um, uh-huh. And and then you know Tim Burton certainly has done great you know films. Here and there. So um, you would have expected it to be better, but it was just awful. Yeah. 
But uh, the the first rise of the planet or the rise of the planet of the apes did a very good job of setting up this film, um, in which you you meet this ape character played by Andy Serkis named Caesar, um, and so there's an obvious uh, connotation there um, to Julius Caesar, and right, uh, sure, and you get this really fantastic origin story of how all of this came to happen and how all of this is coming to be, and. Uh, it, it sets up the rise of the apes. It sets up the fall of the humans. And then this film, which uh, is apparently taking place 10 years later. Um, I mean, the apes are all but in charge at this right, point. Right. And uh, so I'm really excited to see where this goes because the, the first film was so good. And while James Franco isn't back, um, Gary Oldman's back or Gary Oldman is in this film. And uh, Jason Clark, who's been in a couple of things the past uh, year or two, um, he was in Zero Dark Thirty. He was in The Great Gatsby. He was in White House Down. Um, he's been doing pretty good things too, I think. Um, he's in this as well. And I, I, I don't know. I have a really good feeling about this film. Okay. Um, the original, uh, I, or not the original, but the first, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes. In, in addition yeah, that's to all Andy, very confusing. Yeah, I know. In addition to Andy Serkis, uh, it's got Brian Cox, who tends to play good villains. I'm, I'm going to assume he was a villain. Um, uh, you got Tom Felton. I mean, Draco Malfoy. <laughs> yes, know? he was um, in there. John Lithgow. Uh, he was great. Yeah. He, he was the only thing I really know him from is Shrek. Uh, the voice character of, uh, uh I can't remember the character's name, but the little guy. Farquaad. Farquaad. Yes. Lord Farquaad. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch, uh, I believe I've already put it on my Netflix queue. If not, I'm going to make that a top priority. Um, I, I'm going to watch rise of the planet of the apes. Cause I've, I've heard that it was a huge mistake that I haven't. Um, yes. And I was just so turned off by the whole Planet of the Apes franchise with with Mark Wahlberg that I just didn't. So, uh, you know, sue me. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to watch it. I'm going to get caught up and then I'm going to look forward to this because it does it does look, you know, pretty good. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Into the storm. Let's see what we have here. This is the sound. Wait for it. You will never forget. So that's that's from the uh, trailer, Into the Storm. Um, I don't know, Chad, what do you think? I had never heard of this film until I clicked on the link from the outline. <laughs> um, it, I, I don't I mean, think... I'm, I agree with you when you say that it looks ludicrous, <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. There's nothing to really latch on to to make me excited. It just looks like a disaster film. And, right. That I mean, was what that's was certainly what be. it's supposed to be. It, well, I mean, you, you have disaster films out there, and some yeah. of them have been pretty decent or successful, like Twister comes to mind. Um, I mean, And this is led by Richard Armitage, who we know most recently as Thor and Oakenshield from the Hobbit films. And right. He does a pretty good job. And so hopefully we can expect the same quality from him here. But um, as far as the story goes, all we know right now is there's a storm. Right. And maybe I found some obscure trailer or something for, you know, something that's not going to be in theaters or mainstream or whatever. I don't know. But it was on a couple of mainstream sites. So I thought, oh, I'll go ahead and post it. Richard Armitage is the only name attached to this that I recognize. Um, um, I recognize a couple. Jeremy Sumter was uh, Peter Pan in the 2003 
uh, live action uh, Peter Pan film. Okay. Um, the, the one with Jason Isaacs or uh, Lucius Malfoy as Captain Hook. And then uh, Nathan Cress. Yeah, that, that's been a while uh, ago. Yeah, Nathan Cress was on a Nickelodeon show a few years ago. And oh, so he, yes. Now I'm excited now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's been finished for a few years now, but that's what he's known for. Okay. And that's the only thing I know him from. Yeah. Don't recognize the director. Don't recognize any of it. I mean, uh, it, it just, the, the trailer just got really, I'm scrubbing through here visually. It just got really ludicrous with the, the fire, you know, running up the tornadoes and just, and, and, and we don't know anything about the story or why we care or what's going on. And I, and I have no idea why I'd be interested in seeing this. I mean, it just looks like a, a disaster film and yeah. not really a lot of story. I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, to be fair, the YouTube video you have linked is marked as a teaser trailer. So it's not supposed to reveal anything by definition. Understood, but still. I mean, we've got until August before this even comes out. Okay, we'll see. We'll, we'll, if, if more stuff comes up about it, we'll, we'll uh, follow it and and report on it and talk about it and everything that we do here at movie bite about that. Yeah. At, so. at the very least we have a Brian Tyler score to look forward to. Yay. <laughs> I'm mad at Brian Tyler right you're, now because no, you're, he stole, you're just still moping. <laughs> I'm moping. Yeah. I, I like Brian Tyler, but not at the expense of Alan Silvestri. I mean, come on. Well, you realize that uh, Alan Silvestri is not even back for the captain America two soundtrack either. Right? No, I know that that's what's frust- yeah. frustrating, which but that's not Brian Tyler. But if he had come back for Avengers, then I would have thought, okay, that, that, that that's good. Brian Tyler's good, and then we'll get you know the A the A team in here for the Avengers. I mean, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> not, I don't know. I mean, not that Which Brian Tyler's not that. not not that Brian Tyler's not the A team. I'm just I'm just telling you kind of how my mind is working, whether right or wrong. Did you make that pun on purpose? Because Alan Silvestri composed the music for the A team film. No, I had no idea. So. Uh, well played. <laughs> no, I, wink, t- wink. I, I did it on purpose, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to keep moving. Uh, Teenage yes. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, that's a produced thing that by happening. Michael Bay and starring Megan Fox. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Crime, violence, and fear have run rampant. Our great city is being destroyed. People want justice restored to this world. People want heroes. Miss O'Neill. That was from the trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, produced by Michael Bay. Yeah. I I, uh, I couldn't care less about this film. <laughs> um, did you see the live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films from the early 90s? Are you kidding? Of course I didn't. Okay. You didn't? No. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was a kid when I first saw them, but they are very nostalgic for, or at least the first one, very nostalgic. Lots of fun. Um, this one doesn't so. look. This one doesn't look to have the same level of fun. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't say it looks bad, but I can say that I'm not necessarily very excited for it. I'm curious. Uh, but uh, I, I don't have super high hopes for it. Okay, and I'm, you, I'm not a huge Ninja Turtles fan, so you say you, it doesn't have the same level of fun. But hang on, I'm, I'm scrubbing to a part in the trailer. Here we go. <laughs> oh, no, 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 whoa, whoa, chills. Just a mask. See, don't freak out. Right? <sighs> Come on, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah, it is. I mean, something we do have to remember is that these characters still are teenagers. So they, they've got to have that sort of level of snarkiness that uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have always had attached to them. 
um, whether this film is quote unquote grittier or not. Um, it, 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 it is answer going to, to that have... is that answer. The answer to that is yes. <laughs> oh, also Brian Tyler, apparently. Is it really? Boy, he's, yeah. he's getting around, isn't he? He is. He's gotten big these past couple of years. Now the saving grace for this film might be that while Brian, uh, Brian, you've got me, uh, Michael Bay is involved in producing it. He is not directing. That may be a saving yes. grace because we've already established that my opinion is that uh, Michael Bay has only ever put out one good film as a director, and I think that was by accident, and that was The <laughs> Island. The Island was a great film, and I don't know how because none of none of Michael Bay's other films are anywhere near anything that I want to watch. Yeah. I don't know. You, 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 I, don't, I don't remember. You don't have the same hatred for, for Michael Bay that I do, do you? No, I mean, admittedly, I think the only films I've seen are a couple of the Transformers. And while I like the first one as like a, a fun sort of film. Uh, you and um, Mikey. Oh, I mean, it's not something that I absolutely love or will uh, treasure in my heart forever. But I do. I, I thought it was fun. I mean, for, for what it was supposed to be, it accomplished it for the first one. Uh, I can't condone Michael Bay's second two films. And I don't know what to think about the new Mark Wahlberg uh, Transformers film. But uh the first one has its merits i think okay well i'm putting a link to uh the honest trailer for the transformers in the show notes (laughs) which is the best honest trailer that has ever been made Mm, okay probably i don't know there are some there are some good ones but i i tend to like the honest trailers the most when their criticisms are pretty much spot on, even though they're doing it in a funny way where I can enjoy the ones where I enjoyed the film and they're making fun of it. Sure. That's fine. But I like these better. And I agree with every single criticism in this honest trailer. So it's in the show notes. (laughs) Check it out. Um, Let's talk about Jupiter ascending. Shall we? Okay. There was a hunter in the nation, a legend, no matter who or what he is. He's after all bounty. Make sure this is the right one. It's her. Good. Kill her. Who are you? Team I'm here to help you. So that was from the trailer for Jupiter Ascending. Um, this is by the Wachowskis. Um, this Wachowski's previous film was Cloud Atlas. Um, and this looks like everything everything that i wanted cloud atlas to be what do you think uh i don't know i don't think it looks bad don't don't uh misunderstand my lack of things to say about this but there's nothing for me here to like really latch on to um whatever are you talking about i mean there's lots of cool flashy sciencey things going on but i i didn't see anything that just super appealed to me um, okay, so this I may is, be wrong, but uh, as far as I can tell, this is an original sci-fi premise from the Wachowskis uh-huh. who did The Matrix, which was also an original sci-fi premise. Um, and it just looks really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just really drawn to this film. I really want to see this film. I'll certainly see it. And I, uh, I, I don't think it'll be bad. Like, I, I don't have any sort of predisposition to think it'll be bad. Um, but there's nothing in the trailer that is showing me that it's going to be especially good either. Um, now we do have a Michael Giacchino score to look forward to. And uh, looking at the trailers that we've looked at so far, I do want to point out that we are currently uh, two for two, Michael Giacchino versus Brian Tyler. Okay. Which one, which other one did Michael Gi- is Michael Giacchino doing? Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. 
I mean, he's starting to get around too. So, you know, JJ's put him on the map. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I enjoy Giacchino. You know, I, I don't think he's my favorite composer or anything, but he's, he's okay. Yeah. So this film, uh, stars, uh, Mila Kunis and, uh, uh, uh Channing Tatum. Uh, there was somebody else that I recognized in this. Film. Sean Bean is in there. Sean Bean, yes, of course. And, uh, and it doesn't, Eddie Redmayne. I don't think Sean Bean's playing a bad guy. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the Wikipedia page labels him as a quote unquote Han Solo type character. Right, exactly. So it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this could be a really good film. I, I think it really could. Now, you know, you the Wachowskis actually don't have that great of a track record. As much as I love the Matrix, they 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 did the preview the, the, or they did the following Matrix films, which were not nearly as good. They've done Cloud Atlas. They did um, what was that Speed something or other, which I haven't seen. Speed Racer. Speed, I haven't seen it. Some people like it. Most people don't. Yeah, I think it was Mikey who said it's actually one of his favorite movies. Okay, I do intend to see it at some point. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just going. Okay, the first installment in an original sci-fi uh, film like The Matrix. Uh, you know, whereas with Cloud Atlas, I, I I had some foreshadowing. I felt like even though I wanted wanted Cloud Atlas to be good, and turns out it was the worst film I've ever seen. Um, <sighs> I'm not joking. I, I I literally I'm I'm not joking. Um, it is the worst film I've ever seen. Um, but, at the, but, you know, I don't get any of that. I don't have any worries about this film at this point. I could be wrong. I, I fully admit I could be completely wrong. I've been wrong about films before, but I like, I like the look of this film. Cool. All right. Uh, speaking of sci-fi films that I like the look of, let's talk about Edge of Tomorrow starring Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. I'm going to tell you a story. At first... It's going to sound ridiculous, but the longer I talk... We have to find the keys. The more rational it's going to appear. I can't believe you found coffee. Sugar, right? Yeah. Hold on. Three, like three. How many times have we been here? How many times? So this is kind of another time travel movie in a way, uh, yeah. although it's d- different. It's interesting. You're the time travel guy. Tell us about this. Uh, this film is titled Edge of Tomorrow, starring Tom Cruise. It is sort of like Groundhog Day. is It's like an action Groundhog Day where you have Tom Cruise's character who seems to be repeating the same day over and over and over again. Um, and in the trailer, you see him taking advantage of that and being trained by Emily Blunt's character. And there's some sort of revolution going on or war going on that he's trying to fight in. Um, there, there's still a lot of it that is pretty ambiguous at this point, but I think it looks pretty good. You know, like I said, this is a familiar premise where you have a character who repeats the same day over and over again. You have uh, Groundhog Day with Bill Murray and you have uh, Source Code with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal from a few years ago, um, which has a similar premise as well. And both of those are more uh, character studies. I mean, uh, Source Code did have a little bit of an action element to it, uh, but this one is definitely on more of that. Well, it is an action film. Um, So I'm curious to see what we get from this. I mean, obviously um, there's going to be a lot of action. Is it going to be just him repeating the day over and over again to accomplish some sort of task, some physical task, or is it going to have some elements of that um, character building and uh, revelation kind of feel to it that those other two films that I mentioned have? Well, yeah, and I definitely think the latter, uh, from what I can tell. I mean, I don't think we're going to be repeating the same exact events every time. Obviously, the idea of a film, even if – well, the idea of any film is the progression of the story. And I think that it's – like, 
it almost the, I think this trailer I didn't I have to I'd have to watch it all the way through again to remember for sure but I think this is the trailer that made me realize that that the idea of him repeating in a time loop may have been somebody like it's not just an accident like you know and I wasn't sure at first like did he just accidentally get stuck in this time loop and therefore he's able to figure that out and figure it out and and maybe save the day who knows so uh-huh. yeah I, I I find the concept very fascinating even though it's been done plenty before uh, and you know I'm I'm kind of a fan of of uh, Tom Cruise sci-fi's. In addition, we get Emily Blunt, who was uh, amazing in Looper, uh, and I've not yes. seen her in much uh, else except she was the receptionist in uh, in Mon- Muppets. Muppets. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really haven't seen her in anything else. So this is kind of exciting too on that front because she she was really good in Looper. Agreed. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it very much. Me too. Godzilla, are you ready for Godzilla? I am very ready. You know, I'm actually pretty darn excited for this movie. All right, let's see what the trailer has in store for us. They're not fooling anybody that what happened was a natural disaster. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. They're lying. I'm not crazy. Whatever it is, they're guarding so carefully. I need to be able to prove so that was Godzilla. I Chad, I I don't know really hardly anything about Godzilla except he's this big massive monster that was kind of created by radiation or something. I don't even know that much about him. Um I just know that Godzilla has always been a classic of Japanese cinema and uh, I mean whether those have been high quality or not, I don't know. I I can't attest to that because I haven't seen them. I do know that Roland Emmerich's 1998 Godzilla movie is supposed to be pretty darn awful. Um, so this is reviving hope in a lot of people that we may have a really good Godzilla film on our hands, especially with the cast. Well, I think for the type of character that Godzilla is, we've just now gotten to the point where we're going to be able to do this in a realistic looking way on the screen, I think. Right, uh, which I think is a it's a piece of the puzzle, but, you know, that doesn't always have to be a priority. No, no, of course not, because the story is always the most important thing. But when you can support the story with proper visuals, that always helps. And and right. part of the problem with Godzilla, at least because I've done a little bit of looking into Godzilla since these trailers have started coming out and looking at some of the older footage, and he always just looks so bad, so bad. I don't know. So, and he certainly looks good in these trailers. So we'll, we'll see. I, and I don't know if he's the same, like if it's the same premise of, because, you know, Godzilla was created back in the in the days where, the worries about a nuclear holocaust were certainly much, much greater. Um, you, you know, you had uh, it, it wasn't too far removed from the uh, the atomic bomb being dropped. Uh, you, you know, from World War II. So uh, that was the era in which Godzilla was created, and whether he retains that kind of same identity or not in this in, in installation of Godzilla remains to be seen. Right. I mean, and we have Brian Cranston in this film, Ken Watanabe, David Strathairn, and then you have uh, some lesser known names, but actors who are building names for themselves, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, who are actually both going to be in the new Avengers movie. Yes. Um, so, I mean, this, I mean, a, a killer cast obviously isn't indicative of a great film, but. No, I mean, look it, at movie it, 43. It has, <laughs> right. I mean, it, it has all the makings of a great film, I think, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. Yeah, I haven't seen a trailer for this film that I haven't liked. Yeah, I've been my my. Let's say my interest has been piqued. It, it, they haven't given us a lot of information. Maybe this trailer gives us a little bit more. Uh, but 
But yeah, I mean, I certainly my interest has been piqued, uh, and they 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 they've done some interesting things with the trailers. Like it hasn't just been oh look, let me shove a bunch of action in your face, you know. And they've been yeah. very carefully revealing things. Like that first couple of actually the first couple of trailers they released, uh, you just barely got a glimpse of of Godzilla. So right, and um, I think this is one of the first uh, trailers to preview the roar. No, I think like Godzilla's roar, new roar. Because uh, I. I, I remember seeing the first trailer, but I don't remember. I remember they made a big deal when they finally revealed the roar a few weeks a few weeks later. Mm, maybe so. Maybe so. Well, we're uh, just a couple more to go here. I want to get through them because I want. I, I've been deleting a few things out of the show outline that we just are not going to have time to get to. But I do want to get to these couple. So let's talk about Maleficent. Okay. shall bestow a gift on the child. Before the sun sets on her 16th birthday, she will fall into a sleep like death! They're messing with the dialogue of the story a little bit. Well, that's probably just a trailer clip. I, I, I bet be. they, they, they do have the full quote in the film. It's possible because, yeah, they basically truncated it if that's or, – or even it doesn't sound quite right. But the quote that I remember from the – and it's been a long time since I've seen the animated film, but I still can recall it with picture-perfect clarity because it was such a, uh arresting kind of image from my childhood. You know, on her 16th uh-huh. birthday – she will prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and die. You know, so, yeah. sorry, I'm just exactly, <laughs> you know, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> um, and so obviously that's, they've changed the dialogue. That was the biggest thing that stood out to me. But no, I mean, I am, I, I'm, I'm cautiously looking forward to this film because I am not sure where they can go with it, even though I like the look of everything I've seen. And even though Ange- jo- Angelina Jolie looks like a really awesome Maleficent, I'm not sure where they're going with this. Like, like, yeah. are they making her kind of a, a tragic bad guy or a good, a good guy that, you know, or, you know, a good character that, that has been slanted as bad. I mean, where are they going, Chad? I, I don't know. I mean, previous trailers for this have gotten me interested and even somewhat excited. I think in all of these trailers, Angelina Jolie just looks fantastic. I think she's a perfect actress to play this character. Absolutely. Um, but the only thing about this trailer that actually has me a little anxious is these weird mutant plant monster things that just come out of nowhere. They just seem very out of place in this kind of story. Um, I mean, it is a fantasy, it is a fantasy film, but, but weren't, weren't those the, the, the living, I'm trying to remember, it gets a little confusing. I don't remember the end very well, but I thought that the, the monster trees were in the, 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 uh, Disney cartoon movie. Okay, if they were, then I redact that statement, but, um, I don't remember weird, tree creatures somebody uh, who really loves the uh um sleeping beauty film is, is gonna is gonna be sending us lots of email i'm sure because i'm i don't yeah. it's been a long time since i've seen that movie yeah i mean i i'm looking just briefly through the wikipedia summary which is very detailed most of the time uh it does say something about her minions so that that may be something there i i need to watch the film again because it has been probably at least 10 years before i've since i've seen um uh, sleeping beauty but um you know I, I am interested i do think angelina jolie will be worth watching whether the rest of the film is or not 
Um, and also worth mentioning, since we talked about the cinematographer turned director, this is the directorial debut of uh, production designer Robert Stromberg, who oh. was production designer for Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton film. Oh, nice. And uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. So two very, very visual films. Yeah, very interesting. All right, one more. Uh, this one is, is definitely one that I want to mention, even if I don't have a lot to say about it. And this is the Peanuts teaser trailer. I really love this. <laughs> I was waiting for that line deposit. <laughs> Good grief, Charlie Brown. Now, this is really interesting. I, I was I don't know what I was expecting when I heard that there was going to be a 3D uh, Charlie Brown I, I, or Peanuts. I, I really don't know what I was expecting. I just knew that I didn't like the sound of that. That sounded like, yeah. ooh, let, there's some cash to be had here. Let's grab it. But this yeah. this really does look like Charlie Brown and Snoopy and and uh, Woodstock that he flutters in at the end and it really it, you know they've they've stayed true I think as possible to the uh, to the 2D characters. Yeah, I really like the animation style. I think that the the 3D should work pretty well for it. Uh, just make it as long as they utilize it well. Uh, in the trailer, it looks great. Uh, I know there is still some controversy on the making of the film itself, just because. Um, uh, I, I don't know for all the reasons, but I know there have been a lot of reasons uh, people have been sort of skeptical of this film, um, namely because it's it's such a deviation from uh, the classics as we know them. I mean, this is the first feature film based on the Peanuts in 35 years. Yeah, well, and there's a lot – I think what, what you're seeing is there's a lot of reverence for Peanuts. Charles Schultz basically revolutionized the cartoon industry with, with Peanuts. Um, yes. and, and not, and, and it's weird though for people to be too worried about it because Peanuts has always been a very commercialized product. Like he sold Peanuts everywhere. Very unlike Calvin and Hobbes, for instance, which uh, I'm, I'm sorry to make the comparison because they're so totally opposite comics. You know, Calvin is this devious monster of a kid, whereas Charlie Brown is so innocent. I'm, I'm not making that kind of comparison. I'm just saying, like, you know, where, whereas Calvin and Hobbes, when you see merchandising Calvin and Hobbes, it is all, uh, illegitimate. It is not sanctioned by the the people who own the rights uh, by Bill Watterson. Uh, that was Bill Watterson, right? Sounds right. Calvin and I don't want to make this mistake on the podcast if if I'm wrong. Um, yes, Bill Watterson. I, I thought that was right. Anyway, he's been very protective of Calvin Hobbes. Where Charles Schultz just sort of let peanuts open to anything, and yeah. so so it's a little odd to me that people are so open arms. But but I, at the same time, I can see it because peanuts was so revolutionary. It, it was so different um in terms of anything else that was going on and and it really just stayed even though over time the uh the drawing style has changed dramatically like look at the first peanut peanuts comics and look at the last one that charles schultz drew and you can see a major difference and shift in the way he drew them but the characters kind of stayed true um right so there's a lot of reverence i think for peanuts but i feel like i mean steven look look at some of the earlier animation of of charlie brown 
And then look at especially when he smiles here in this teaser trailer as as a and we I didn't I'm sorry as theater of the mind I didn't really describe what was happening in the trailer for the audience. And there's really not a good way to uh, do that. You just need to watch it. But look at his smile and the way yeah. his smile is animated. It feels very much like the way that Charlie Brown's smile has always felt. Yeah, you know I think part of the, the lashback might be with uh, due to the fact that Charles Schultz actually died in 2000. Yes, um, of course, obviously. Uh, but I think what should be of some comfort to people is that it looks like the family is very much involved. Um, yes. There are two Schultz as a crack uh, attached to the written by, um, so that they helped with the screenplay. And uh, for the original peanut specials, those were written by Charles Schultz. Um, so I, I think that should be comfort to us and to those people who may seem a bit skeptical. Yeah, th- this trailer I think really uh, turned me around a little bit because I was pretty skeptical too, just of the idea. But but especially, and you're right, knowing that uh, is it Ben Schultz? I think uh, his yeah. son is heavily heavily involved in driving the um, uh, in driving the production of this film. I'm just looking to see if it is Ben Schultz. Um, well, there are a couple of Schultz. Um, Anyway, yeah, the family is involved, and one of the sons in particular is very involved. So it does give me, you know, a lot of a lot of hope for for this film. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this. I think this is going to be fun. Okay, uh, it's produced by both Brian and Brian Craig Schultz. Schultz. Brian Schultz, that's and then it's also about. written by both of them. Um, and I guess a, a name that is attached to it is uh, Paul Feig, who's known for his comedy films. He's uh, producing as well. You know, I actually don't think I've looked at the uh, IMDb page, so I'm looking that up now. Peanuts, 2015. Uh, Steve Martino, don't know him. He's the director. Cast, uh, Bill Mendez as Snoopy slash Woodstock. Archive sound. Okay, so I was going to say that's the same voice that we've always had, apparently. And they're, yeah. you know, since they don't say anything, they can use archive sound. Um, they don't have anybody else actually cast, although they obviously had a voice for, for Charlie. Uh-huh. Mm, interesting. Well, I will since uh, I will go ahead and put that IMDb page in the show notes. Well, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of links in the show notes this week. Yes. Okay. Well, we are here, Chad, today. And uh, what are we? Almost an, uh, an almost an hour into the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, that's <laughs> to, about right. <laughs> to talk about Divergent, I knew this was going to be a little bit longer, but I don't know. Again, it's it's like I liked I like Divergent well enough. I don't know how much I have to say about it. You might have a lot more to say about it, though. Um, I don't know. But, I, I don't know if I have a whole lot to say about it. I think I do need to clear up a few things that are in your review, which we can get to in a little bit. But uh, well, and again, my review is very much coming from the and, and because I haven't read the book, I can really do this. It's coming from the right. mo- movie needs to stand alone. So so let's dive well, in and 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 talk about Divergent. You nervous? For you? For your test? No. I was terrified. The only way our society can survive is for each of you to claim your rightful place. Today you will take a test that will help you discover who you truly are. The future belongs to those who know. So that was from the trailer for Divergent. Uh, Divergent came out on March 21st of this year, 2014. Uh, it had a budget of $84 million. It opened to a uh, uh, $54.6 million, and so far it has made $96 million worldwide. 
Rotten Tomatoes says uh, of the critical acclaim that with an adherence to the young adult young adult formula that undercuts its individualistic message, Divergent, uh, Divergent opens its planned trilogy in disappointingly predictable fashion. Uh, and I think that's that's definitely uh, overbearing, overkill. I, I I don't agree with that. Um, directed by Neil Berger, uh, writers Evan Dougherty and Vanessa Taylor wrote the screenplay, and of course, it's based on the novel by Veronica Roth. It stars Shailene. Did I say that right? Yes. Shailene Woodley as Tris, Theo James as Four, Ashley Judd as Natalie, Jay Courtney as Eric, Ray Stevenson as Marcus, and Zoe Kravitz as Christina. Music uh, by. We should- uh, sorry, I just wanted to mention that Zoe Kravitz is Lenny Kravitz' daughter. Right, Lenny yes. Kravitz plays Senna in the Hunger Games films. Yes, so they got ties into this young adult universe. Music by who now? Junkie XL. Um, I'm not familiar with any of his previous scores. Um, he did do some work on the Man of Steel score. Um, oh, and I don't know if you noticed in the credits that uh, Hans Zimmer did produce the music. For right, he film. was the producer, but um, he didn't actually do the composing. No, but um, listening to the score in the week or two before I saw the film, it feels a lot. Oh, no, I said it. It seems a lot like. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nobody has any idea what we're talking about, but go ahead. No, <laughs> it seems a lot like a Hans Zimmer's greatest hits. Um, but I, I do think it worked really well in the film. Well, Chad, um, Chad I just feel like that. Uh, I think perhaps <laughs> I feel that John. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I, I definitely. I think Hans Zimmer's influence is there for sure. I mean, that's the whole reason oh, yeah. he produced it. Is probably. I feel like. I feel like. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I think that Junkie XL probably doesn't have a lot of stuff under his, her, it, their belt. Whatever Junkie XL. I gotta look these guys up. It's it's a, it's a person. It's one person. One person. A, a guy named Junkie XL. Junkie XL, better known, let's see, Tom Hulkenberg, better known as Junkie XL, or occasionally JXL, is a Dutch, I kind of figured Dutch, uh, multi-instrumentalist producer and engineer. He uses the name JXL in cases where the term junkie might cause offense. Grammy Award for Best Remix Recording, Non-Classical, MTV Europe Music Award for Dutch Best Dutch Act. So, yeah. Uh, the reason I suspected Dutch is because it, it reminded me somehow of Daft Punk, which I believe that I believe are they not also Dutch? Daft. I don't think they're Dutch, but but they are oh. foreign. They're French, I believe. French. Okay, how could I? Jeez, I'm just doing bad here. Uh, <laughs> forgive me my mistake. Um, I, well, I see because Chad, we're in the United States, and all those people over there, they just sort of blend <laughs> together. They're nobodies. Uh, whatever you say, TJ, I'm not attaching myself to that statement. <laughs> <laughs> As well, you shouldn't. I'm not either. <laughs> uh, so Chad, uh, this is your show, uh, today because you're more familiar with Divergent. Tell us a little bit about this story. Okay. Um, in a world divided by factions based on virtues, Triss learns she's a divergent and won't fit in. When she discovers a plot to destroy divergence, Triss and the mysterious four must find out what makes divergence dangerous before it is too late. I I uh I didn't really like that summary. I probably should have uh, had a different one. What makes divergence dangerous? Um I suppose that they're considered dangerous by those who want to eliminate them. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, Chad, let's let's dive in, and and why don't you start by telling me all the ways that my review is wrong? <laughs> There's just a few things to clear up for everybody. I have read the book trilogy that this film is based on. Um, 
started it just a couple of weeks ago because the trailers did such a poor job of marketing the film. And I felt oh, like awful. I should be, ex- I, did, I, I thought I should be excited for this film, but the trailers did not do it for me. So I read the books to get excited for it instead. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Those trailers were downright terrible compared to what well, the film actually after, is. Especially after reading the book. And uh, I mean, the first five pages in, oh, that's what Divergent is. Good. Now I know know what's happening because the trailers don't explain that at all they don't explain the faction system at all i think you had to have read the books to have been excited by the trailers yeah um which is poor marketing but um i mean whatever it, it's just what they ended up doing it's very um, bizarre like yeah. you want your trailers to be better than that yeah i, I don't know and i wonder to what uh, extent that's playing into the fact that this thing is not over a hundred million yet i don't know um, but remember this did come out the first, the same weekend as Muppets and it, so it, it killed the Muppets that weekend in the box office. That's true. It did. Um, but in your first subtitled section, uh, the, the young adult genre, um, there, you talk about how this is a product of the young adult hype that we're sort of in right now this this sort yeah. of time period where and, and uh, specifically the twilight saga and the hunger games i think are the most heavily influencing elements but but certainly harry i think you can throw harry potter in there too in the fantasy of, of that series with, yeah, with I mean, harry potter being the high bar in my opinion right i think that the most comparable book to the divergent is the hunger games uh, especially in the well really only in the first book that i can think of there are lots of hunger games comparisons which is where i think they're coming from in the uh rotten tomatoes consensus about it being predictable and stuff because you do have lots of those familiar elements you have the this uh beating out uh the selection of tributes if you will you have uh the different factions you have the different uh districts you have uh one heroine you have another heroine i mean there are definitely strong comparisons to be made and this was written after the hunger Games, so i mean it's not absurd to make those comparisons but i think it it does a very good job of establishing itself as separate and the the overall story and the way the characters interact with each other it is very different and i don't think that the critics seem to be looking at that well and and i feel like the critics like they only saw the first part of the movie where those comparisons are most easily made and oh it's right. oh i see what they're doing this is the hunger games remixed and so this is not original and i was but i was surprised by several things that happened in the film and and yeah. i think that i'm fairly familiar with this genre so i i i don't think they're in general being fair i i feel like in general critics as a group tend to be biased uh, uh, you know in certain ways and this and especially with some films more than others and i feel like for some reason i haven't now i haven't quite figured out what causes the bias all the time every time but they're certainly right. biased i feel like against this film well i think right now the hunger games has set the standard for young adult films um both hunger games films and especially the second one are very critically acclaimed and so anything that's not up to that standard is going to get shot down well now let's be clear i mean it's it's not it's not catching fire by any means it's not it's not that good. no i i completely agree um but i do i don't think it's too far off to say it's close to the quality of the first hunger games film maybe not as good um well certainly in terms of certainly in terms of cinematography i enjoyed it far better than the first hunger games film Cool. And I know Mikey said that he enjoyed it more than the first Hunger Games film, but I don't think he liked that very much. So, yeah, I, I, in terms of making that opinion, I would be torn on that because like the actual story of the Hunger Games, the first Hunger Games film, I, I feel like this is a better filmmaking, but I don't know that it's better story than the first Hunger Games. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, I mean, we could talk all day about Hunger Games comparisons, but the point is, I think that this is, it's original in its own way. It, it does have familiar elements, but you can't let those few familiar elements really dictate your opinion of the film. And that's what I think has really happened here as far as the critics go. Yes, I, I would agree. At the same time, and I did make the point in my article, it does feel like maybe this let, – let's make this the last young adult film for a while be, <laughs> or last franchise for a while because it does feel like it's starting to get a little bit used. You know you know what I'm saying? Right. It doesn't have I that mean, new car smell anymore. <laughs> they, well, they keep throwing all these young adult films at us, and there's still a couple more to come out this year. I mean The Fault in Our Stars by uh, – the John Green is getting am, a film am also I a starring person, Shailene Woodley. Am I a horrible person for not being able to get interested in The Fault in Our Stars? I think you are because okay. I actually read that two weeks ago and it was fantastic. Okay. okay. So and, and it's not a franchise, so you can at least rejoice in that. It's a single story. Yeah, I'm not sure where they could go with it as a franchise from what I understand. So. <laughs> it can't. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just leave it at that as far as that goes. But um, I mean – Young adult films are popular right now. Young adult books are popular right now. They're they're generally pretty high quality as far as the books go, at least. Um, the movie adaptations are not always successful. Yeah. Like City of Bones, for instance. All right. Well, um, uh, Chad, I, I kind of structured my review of this film in a way that I talked about the things I didn't like first so I could get that out of the way because I enjoyed it far more than I disliked it. And I, right. I, I always find a challenge because I'm a very critical person. I find it a challenge – to talk more about the things that I liked than the things that I didn't like. Because when you like something enough, it, it's frustrating when it has flaws that you don't like. Right. So that, that if, I don't know if that is a reasonable or a good explanation, but that's kind of how, how I feel about this film. No, I agree. And, and one of my, one of my main, I think, uh, my main irritations with this film that, and, and my, it's an irritant because I wanted to like it more. In my, I mean, it's just, it's just the, the concept of these motivations for these characters. Like, I feel like we didn't spend nearly enough time uh, getting to know the motivations for the villain. Like, wh- why was she doing what? Why, I feel like Kate Winslet was was wasted in this film. Why was she doing what she was doing? What was what was motivating any of it? I didn't understand anything going on there with her. I mean, is, is that more fleshed out in the book? Actually, she's in the book less. Oh. Um, so. You have to remember this is a trilogy and each one, I mean, there is no break in between books. It's it's one story con- told consecutively. I understand uh, that. One chunk of time. And so we haven't gotten two thirds of the story so far. And so there is more to do with Kate Winslet's character in the next film. Um, I mean, I just feel but, like she sort of appeared and she had this agenda and she tried to execute it and – and that was like, like, but why? I mean, it, it didn't even make sense what she was trying to do necessarily. I mean, in the film, I mean, she's trying to quash out human nature. She's trying to take out all these flaws that humans have. But why? By, well, she mentions it at one point in the film. She says uh, jealousy, um, stealing. Uh, I mean, I can't remember all the things she I lists, guess. but she, she does have this one scene where she just mentions all these flaws that are genuine flaws that humans have but the problem with that is that once you take those flaws out um you you can't quash out just the bad in human nature sure um and that's the issue with her character um i feel like you're trying to protect me from spoilers a little bit you're holding back i can i can feel it I, i am because there are some pretty big spoilers attached to this trilogy that don't that weren't introduced in this film um right of course as you would expect and 
and that it's understandable some of the complaints you have or some of the things you say. Um, but the truth is we do get more from the villain in this book than we do in the future books or no, in this film than we do in the book. Okay. Well, okay. Which so is, what, what yeah. about Maggie Q? I mean, I feel like she was, I really didn't understand why that character wasn't just completely cut. And what was, I don't your, understand your confusion with that character. I, I, I've, I don't understand your, you not understanding my confusion. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. okay. So, so, so I'm just going to read from your review real quick. You said, in addition, I could not figure out what Maggie Q's character Tori was up to. What was her deal? Who was she? What fra- faction was she with? Why was she there? It was frustrating. Well, right. I'll, I'll just clear up a couple of those questions. She's obviously dauntless because she wears black clothes and she has tattoos. Okay. Okay. Um, stop right there. Why then was she administering tests? That's not what dauntless people do. I don't get it. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's any particular reason in the book. I That's don't think silly. there is. It, it's the just, reason is because the plot wanted her to be there. Okay. Um, but is there anything else about her that was confusing to you? Because yeah, that, that's, mean, it, that's it in a nutshell. Why was she there? What was she doing? What was her motivation? Why was she protecting? Uh, why was she protecting Triss? Why? Because why, her brother why, why? was divergent. She says that in the film. I'm positive. Mm. Her brother was divergent. He no. was discovered in his final exam, and he was killed. Maybe I missed that it was her brother. I remember her talking about a boy being killed. I don't. Yes, you missed it. Okay. I'm positive. <laughs> it's possible. Sorry. It's possible. I'm sorry, but you did miss that. Okay. I feel like you. I feel like you're just filling in the details from the book, though. No, Whether I'm she not. said that I'm or not. not, I didn't get like I didn't get why was she testing Tris or Beatrice Beatrice as she was called at the time? I, what was she doing there? She's dauntless. She's she's a warrior, and we never saw her doing warrior things. I don't get it. I don't know. Um, I feel like it was a a, a a plot contrivance. Yeah, I mean that might, that might be. I mean, I can't give you a good reason for that. I don't remember if there's a reason provided in the book um, that didn't make it into the film, but that's just the way it, it was. Is that Tori is administering Triss's exam at least? Okay. Final character complaint for me. Uh, I did not feel like I knew Triss's parents at all, and so they're uh, boy spoileries. Um, okay, we can read. We can ring the, the spoiler bell for this film right now. Okay, we're ringing the spoiler bell. Spoilers ding, in five, ding. four, three, two. Um, yeah. So I didn't understand. Uh, like, like, okay. So I didn't know the parents at all, and so their their sacrifices didn't really make me feel what the way I think the film wanted me to feel. Um, I, I feel like if if we had spent a little more time, we we never saw them again after we we went to uh with, with Shailene Woodley uh Triss to to uh. I'm forgetting the faction names already. We just talked Dauntless. Dauntless. Uh, we never saw them again. We never cut back to them. We never got to know them. We we, we don't know. I mean, nothing. Like, I felt nothing. I felt a little bit. I mean, that's I, sad. I was, I I was sad a little. I, I'm trying very hard to look at this objectively because, like I said, I, I have read the books. I know a little bit more about this, but the fact is the entire book is told from Triss's perspective. So when she doesn't see her parents, we don't see her parents in the book either. Um, and so that the film, while it's not necessarily told from her perspective, everything we see Triss is present for, I, I, if I remember correctly, I don't think there are any scenes that aren't, uh, that are shown where Triss is not pre- present. Sure. And that, that would make sense. Is, is, is it told in, in first person in the books? I think so. Ugh. Well, I, I don't remember, um, it makes for sure, sense. but it is, it is told from her perspective. 
Yeah. Well, so that, that's fine. I, I, but I just feel like there would have been better ways to accomplish it. Like, I just didn't know the parents, and, and so I didn't feel for them in the way that I wanted to when the sacrifice yeah. was made. And I guess that could really be my only sort of complaint about the film is that and, – and it's a mild complaint because, like I said, the film is told from Triss's perspective. And while we get to see it from her perspective, we don't have her inner monologue uh, helping us to – define characters or to build relationships or to see the world the way she sees the world. We see the world, but we're not seeing it through her eyes in the film. And so we don't get all the little detail about all the different factions and the little quirks that make them who they are. Abnegation is selfless. That is the the definition of their, right. um, And that is why, uh, that is why they're the council, the, 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 the leaders of the city is because they're selfless. They can be trusted um, to not seek out power for themselves. That is the idea behind them being the council people, if that answers which, that question which for you. Which brings me to my complaint about factions. <laughs> this whole concept is a contrivance for the sake of the plot, which is fine, no, I suppose. But you cannot, I mean, you cannot pigeonhole people that way. I've, I've known plenty of people who would not fit in any of those categories, and you mean to tell me there's only a handful of divergence in the world in this world? That's just crazy. That's just I weird. I don't know if you saw my comment on the review. Um, sure, I did. My, my, Mikey said that the faction thing was a problem to him at first, too. But talking about how we already divide ourselves up in society now, um, it was easier to swallow the premise. I, I, I sort of clarified for him. Um, you only know the reasons for the factions as given in this film, in this story. There are two more. And they reveal more information and more truth um, about the faction system. Right now, the faction system is just, it exists because that is the way it it has always existed for these people. It is not something that was established in their lifetime. They were born into it. Uh, They don't have a reason. They just know it's part of their lives and they accept it. You're saying there there are good and better reasons than what I've mentioned in my review. Yes, I will say that you do not know the purpose of the factions. You do not know why they were formed. Um, I still think it's a little weird, though, to expect people to generally fit in these four categories because I felt like already I could fit into like three of them. (laughs) So you're divergent. (laughs) Apparently. It it makes tons of sense once you get to that point in the story, but the the fact is we're not there. And so the faction system is supposed to be a sort of mystery. We are supposed to be left to wonder – why does this work? Why is this, uh, why is this part of their lifestyle? How can people be expected to conform to this? But you see people conforming in it all the time. You see uh, Trista's parents sacrificing themselves uh, as an ultimate display of love for their daughter. Um, and that's where the emotion comes from is that, uh, and they, they do hint toward that. Uh, the or four actually says it at the end of the film is that they love you and they could, sh- they could see no other way. Uh, no better way to show you than by laying their lives down for you. Right. And, and so that that's where the emotion from that scene is supposed to come um, is, and that that's the, sort of the struggle of Triss is um, even before she takes the test and discovers she's divergent. Um, she, she struggles with being completely selfless in the film. You see her taking tiny glimpses at mirrors, uh, which is, against the abnegation way because vanity is not something that they're fond of or something that, that they uh, are, you know? And so you see these little struggles that um, she faces even before she discovers she's divergent. And 
but it, she talks about how it's so easy for her brother to fit in. And then you see her parents um, making this sacrifice for her later in the film. I think if we had been inside Triss's head a little bit more, I don't, I don't want to say that I wish we had more narration from Aileen Woodley, because I think that they, the little narration they used by her was done tastefully. And I think using it too much is a bad thing. I agree. Um, but I think it did suffer the tiniest bit because of that, because we didn't get Triss's insight. We didn't get her knowledge of the faction system and what makes each faction who they are. I mean, I get what you're saying that there's more to come. I'm just telling you from my perspective, it was also a little weird that as far as we know, the faction system was set up benevolently and yet they're, they're required to choose at what, what are they like? What, what was, uh, Tris, 16, like 16 in the book. Yeah. How do you, I, I remember when I was 16 and you're even closer to 16 than I was. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life at the age of 16. And now I have to choose. And if I, if I choose wrongly and I'm going to be miserable or possibly be factionless because I can't go back to my family, what kind of sense does that make? That doesn't make for a good society. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, it's so hard for me to just hold back, but um, that is explained. There is a very, very, very good reason why this system is in place the way it is. Um, <laughs> I may need to, I may need to get these audiobooks because I'm, I'm just I need to know more. And I feel you know, like though that that's a little bit bad filmmaking if you have to get the books to understand the movie to unlock the keys to the movie you failed well, as a filmmaker. I think if I had only read the first book, I would have the same complaints and questions that you you have because of, of even just the books. Yeah, even just the books. Uh, I, I had the advantage that a lot of people didn't have in that when I first started reading the books, all three were already released. And so I read all three in less than a week. Um, so I got the entire story all at once rather than three separate books, three years apart, uh, three years apart total. Um, so for me, I have this picture of an entire story in my head versus this one chunk. And I'm left with all these questions. And then the second chunk that answers a couple of questions, but gives me more and doesn't answer some of my questions from the first book still, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think if I, I think if I had just read Divergent in preparation for this film, I would have some of the same complaints. Okay. Well, I don't want to harp on on the uh, things that I didn't like anymore because that's really all I have. And um, I did enjoy the film. So uh, if you have other things that you would like to talk about, though, I know that you um, you had things that you, you wanted to talk about that you didn't like, right? Because you did read the books and you always like the books better, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have a lot of complaints, actually. I, I was very satisfied with the film as far as uh, adaptation goes. I think it follows the important parts um, very well. I didn't really care about the few deviations that it did take. Um, I have seen people that thought otherwise, but I mean, at this point, if you're a Harry Potter fan and you've read the books and you've seen the film, you know that you can't expect the same from both. They're both their separate entities. They may have the same overarching storyline, but you can't expect all the details from one that you get in the other. Um, and so I, I always approach films like this uh, that, with that mindset and divergent with no exception. I thought it was a very good film. I thought it was a very good adaptation. Um, I don't have any major complaints. The one that I do want to just mention is that there were two instances in the film when they used pop songs in the middle yeah. of the movie and that yeah. took me completely out. And I, I, I haven't seen a movie that, that has done that like, a good movie that has done that in a long time. And that really frustrated me because I, I like so much else of the film and I, I did like the music as used in the film. And then they throw in pop songs. 
Yeah, that's never a good thing. It's never a good thing. Like, like, I, I don't want to say never, never. But when you're when you're using it as underscoring music, I'm, I'm not saying you can't have pop music in the film because it's set in a modern era and a character is listening to pop music or something like that. Oh, right, 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 but, right, right. but they definitely use this as transitional music, as underscore, as part of the score. And that just that always, always fails. And that will not age well ever. No. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. But Chad, really, I, that was my only major complaint. Yeah, so I just want to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Chad, oh, I did. Re- oh. I'm sorry. I do have one thing that I, I wrote down. Um, the tri- You mentioned in your view that you liked that the, there was the romance part in it, but it wasn't overplayed. It, it wasn't the focus like it is in so many other young adult <laughs> Twilight. Uh, uh, films. <clears throat> exactly, like Twilight, where the, that, the relationship is the story. Right. Um, here, in the, in the book, the Triss and Four relationship is much more prevalent it's still not overdone in the book, but it is more present. Um, I like that they toned it down a bit, but I do think that they missed out on an opportunity a little bit because their interactions over the course of the trilogy are very, very important. And the way mm. they, they care for each other and the way their relationship builds and falls occasionally and the trust that they build in each other, um, that wasn't entirely present in this film. They They toned the romance down a lot. And I think that they were lacking just a little bit of what, needed to be done to establish the relationship that they're going to have in the future. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and Chad, I really did like this movie. Um, yes, I, it, it, you know, that's why I wanted to get my complaints off the table and I wanted to like it more than I did. But, um, once I got past a couple of things that I thought were plot contrivances, um, and once I set aside my, my disbelief on, on some of those things, um, uh, you know, I really did enjoy just the, the some of the some of the even some of the core concepts of the film. You know, and then the whole once you've established, okay, yes, I think the whole faction thing is silly, but once you're there, um, kind of the idea of divergence. Because to me, I, there's probably I, I may you know I don't know where they're going with this, but it feels like there'd be more divergence than what maybe there has been let on. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah, so. uh, because, because who does fit into that faction system exactly? You know, and and just you know the idea that oh well now I have to fit in somewhere, so I'm going to fit in here. I mean, you, you know, I I don't know how well I identify with that personally because I've never been in a position where I feel like I had to fit in somewhere necessarily, but I can certainly understand it from afar, and I think that makes it for a great theme. Uh, in the film, you know, to to kind of see, well, she's she's not exactly a good a great fit in any of these factions, but maybe this is the best one, and she's going to try to fit in there. Yeah, and I think that's something that I do like so much about this story is, you know, versus the Hunger Games, where Katniss is, I mean, she's this ultimate heroine, and she's very talented. She's extremely good at what she does. I mean, she's obviously set in motion to be the star heroine of this, the, the, the whole story. Trist is not so much that kind of character. She, she has her moments of heroism, but she's struggling along with everybody else. And she has to improve from where she starts out as she's yeah. not just somebody who's already naturally have, has all these talents. Yeah. And, um, and, and I was happy that, that they never felt like they like, okay, so yes, Triss did improve and she climbed the ranks, but it wasn't like she, she made this like, Oh, I'm at the bottom. Boom. I'm at the top and look at me. I just took to this like a duck takes to water. And you know, they right. didn't do that. They made her work for it. 
and she never was like the superstar of her class or whatever you know she she her her talents lie in other ways like the story is about other things and that was a very refreshing take like she didn't have to be the the as you said the, the the kind of the superstar fighter you know action hero right and she she's definitely struggling along with all the others and she 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 fits in that respect and she uses her strengths that she does have which isn't a literal strength obviously because she she does come from the faction that is known for being selfless they don't have military training right. they don't weight lift they they, they don't they just don't behave like that. And so seeing her come from that lifestyle and transitioning into this and really build her character in more ways than one, both physically and mentally throughout the course of the film um, is makes for a really good character arc. Yeah. And kind of in the same vein as that um, is almost, almost the same point, but there, there was not really any magic or prophecy about, you know, Triss being the one to liberate the people from the factions or whatever. There was none of that. You know, there was no, you know, no supernatural anything going on um, and, and, and no prophecy. I mean, it just was, she's a girl that found herself in this situation. You know, I thought that was very refreshing. Yeah. Um, and Shailene Woodley does a great job with it. Much more so than I was led to believe from the trailers. <laughs> well, I mean, Shailene Woodley has been really building a name for herself over the past couple of years. Yeah. And um, uh, it's very clear that people think a lot of her uh, and she's very much proving herself. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where this goes. I know you already know. So, you know, poo on you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, I am very much looking forward to the next installment. Um, and I, I hope they can, I hope they can do it at at least this level or better. You know, maybe they can pull a hunger games and, and make the second one the best thing ever. I, I really hope so. Um, you know, I, I said it when I first finished reading the books on social media, I think I like the overall story of divergent, the, the divergent trilogy more than I like the hunger games. And that's saying mm-hmm. a lot because I, I, I enjoyed the hunger Games a lot too. Um, and so I, I really want you to read these TJ or listen to the audiobooks or something so I can have this discussion with you and talk about, oh, that's the faction system. That makes sense to me now. I really want that so that we're not waiting three years to, to see, yeah. uh, to, to find the answer because really those answers aren't revealed if they follow the books until the third one. I have a little bit of a problem in that I now listen to so many podcasts that I, I don't have time for audiobooks anymore, and I feel kind of sad about that. Um, and maybe I need to tone down the podcast, but then every time I try to pare down my podcast list, I'm like, let's see, let me scroll through here. Nope, I don't want to give up that one. Nope, I don't want to give up that <laughs> one. Nope, not going to give up that one. Definitely not going to give up that one. Nope, not going to do that. So that's kind of where I'm at in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how fast a reader you are, but I, I pretty much breeze through these books. So, I mean, even if you just have a few minutes to sit down in silence every day, uh, you'd probably knock out at least the first one in a week. You, you do not understand my life, Chad. There's just uh, not any way. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was wishful thinking. Um, and I'm a little out of practice on that. I mean, I used to be an avid reader, but it's just life is just so different for me now. I mean, literally I get up usually at six in the morning and, um, I, sometimes I leave stuff that I still have to do in the morning on movie bite. Otherwise I'm, I'm pretty much uh, working on stuff that needs to be worked on. I go to work, I come home, I do movie bite stuff. I sit down and I watch something or I go to the theater so that I can do movie bite stuff and then it's just start the day over again. So yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a little bit tight of a schedule. <laughs> yeah. Not, not complaining. I'm just saying that's kind of the way it is. So, 
Well, I've, I'm pretty much talked out on this film. Yeah, I, I think I've said my full. Okay. Uh, so what would you, what rating would you give to this film? I'm giving it four stars. Um, I think, like I said, I think it's a very, very well done adaptation. I think the cast overall is very strong, uh, pretty solid, especially Shane, Shailene Woodley. And even Theo James as four, uh, does a, gives a very good performance, I think. Mm. And, um, no, I, I, I was very pleased watching the film, even trying to look at it sub, or objectively. I, I don't understand where the critics are coming from, um, other than making petty Hunger Games comparisons. Yep, I agree. Uh, I, I, I just don't see how you can really think this is a bad film. If you ever noticed, Chad, and, and I, I don't know, maybe there's some something to this, but we, we, we refer to the critics as if we're not, you know, doing <laughs> critical film review work. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess we're talking about the recognized critics. Yeah, the ones who post to Rotten Tomatoes. Exactly, yes. Are, are, are labeled as critics therein. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I give the film three and a half out of five uh, because I I agree that the the, the, the critics are, are being completely insane on this. There, this, 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 this. There's no way this film is only worth a 40% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. This is, that's silly. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I, um, I, I, I can, wanna, Oh, go ahead. I do want to mention that I gave the first Hunger Games film a four stars when I first saw it. And then upon seeing Catching Fire, which was miles and away better than the first film. Um, you retroactively I, I, downgraded I, I, it. Yes, I did downgrade my review of the first film uh, from four to three and a half. And I, I think I could be, I could end up doing that here. I think that the cast is, has set themselves up well to continue this story in a great way. Um, I think they are getting a new director for the second film. I don't know who, um, but it, it is a thing. It is happening. Hopefully he, it is still in good, uh, good hands, but yeah, uh, I, well, I do think that there, there's still a lot of room to improve here. Yeah, unlike though with Gary Ross, where I felt like his style left a lot to be desired in terms of his directorial style, I wasn't unhappy with the directorial style of this film. Only, only I, th- I think most of my issues would have been with the script. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing where they go. Though I, I hope that they can, I hope they can up the bar, raise the level, you know, do whatever it is they need to do, and make an even better film next time. Because this was this was definitely enough to draw me in and, and make me want more. Cool. That's right. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I know uh, you, you were worried, weren't you? I was a little bit worried, um, but I knew that the trailers were a poor representation. So, yeah. All right. Well, next week, uh, Chad, next week is the week. This is our first Marvel film this year. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Captain America, the winter soldier is what we're going to be talking about next week. We'll be recording Monday night. We'll post it to the website on Tuesday. It'll, it'll appear in the podcast feed on Tuesday morning. And uh, we're going to have uh, Fizz on the podcast with us talking about it. As far as we know, he's he's moved uh, heaven and earth, and we've moved heaven and earth to make sure he can make it because he's really excited about it, and we're all very excited. And Chad, can you tell we're excited? So, yes, it's, it's going to happen. It's awesome. Going to see it. Probably, I know my wife wants to see it with me, so we're probably going to see it, I hope, Friday night if I can wrangle it. I need to talk to her about that, but uh, hopefully yeah. Friday night. If not, certainly on, on Saturday. I think I might be going to a midnight showing Thursday night, actually. So, you lucky uh, dog. You. I remember when I was young and stupid and did midnight showings. <laughs> I can't. I, I gotta take take advantage of it while I can, while I'm a student. Man, I've, I, I'm, Chad. I'm, and, and this is the boring part of the podcast. I've just gotten to the point in my life where I cannot, I cannot stay up past midnight anymore, and it's a shame. It's, it's a doggone shame. <laughs> but I, I, I really just can't function the next day. It's, it's, it's those dreadful thirties. I'm just so old. <clears throat> <laughs> old fart. 
Uh, yes. Well, uh, Chad, thank you, uh, for your, uh, kind, condescending to be on this podcast with me and talk about <laughs> Divergent. Where may people learn more about your, uh, wonderful critical reviews and work and, and things that you do and things that you like to do and movies that you review and things like that? I write my movie reviews at, uh, chadlikesmovies.com. Um, I share my life and my views on Facebook at, Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins and on Twitter.com especially uh, slash Chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Excellent. And you can keep up with my work, my writing, my pretty much all uh, – everything that's not related to my developing websites at work, it, pretty much the rest of my life is poured into MovieByte.com. So be sure to uh, subscribe to the RSS feed or put it in your bookmarks or, or however it is that you keep up with websites. In addition, you can find Movie Byte on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviebyte. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash moviebyte. We've even got a Google Plus page if that's your thing. It's not really my thing, but we do have one. <laughs> um, so be sure to keep up with Facebook there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at TJDraperPro. And, uh, yeah, I think those are all the places that you can catch up with me. If you want to catch show notes for this episode, you can do that at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 84. That's where all the links for all the trailers and you know all the fun stuff that we've talked about is it's going to be linked up there in the show notes. If you like this episode, if you like the Movie Byte podcast, if you value me as a person and Chad as a person, <laughs> you will go, if you have not already done so, to the iTunes store and rate this podcast with five stars. We require that of all of our listeners. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> but we do, we would like that if you would do that. So uh, until next week, uh, enjoy your time at the movies. Go watch Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Like it. Enjoy it. And tune in next week for our review of that. See you later, Chad. Bye, TJ. Bye, TJ.